Today we're wrapping up this series, The Greater Yes. I'm so glad you're here because I believe God has been moving in mighty, mighty ways. And I want to encourage you to make sure you also be here starting next week with our new series called At the Movies. We have some special guests going to help us deliver those messages over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be amazing. We're going to be looking at some movies, but also we're going to be seeing some behind-the-scenes people from the Bible, how God worked in their life and how God can work in your life as well. There's going to be some fun. There's going to be a fun atmosphere. We hope you're here. And also, we have a special surprise. If you come every single week, each week you get a movie ticket. If you're here every week, you have a chance for a donation that was given to us to win um, a private th- uh, showing at Cinemark for 20 of your guests. You know, they've been doing that. So come here. Every, you don't want to miss a week because God's moving, but you also don't want to miss a, a week because you have a chance to maybe go take your family and some friends for your own movie theater experience. So we really hope that you're here over the next couple of weeks through July to experience what God is going to do here. But today as we continue and finalize this message series, The Greater Yes, we're going to be talking about grace. If you're like me, you don't like to move. I am not a big fan of moving. You know why? Because of all the pack in the boxes and you have to go through all the stuff that's been in a box down in the basement for years that you don't even remember you had anymore. And you wonder why in the world you still have that stuff. And so there's been times, my wife and I, we've lived in our house for 14 years now, that we thought, hey, let's move. And then I start looking through the house. I'm like, no, I don't want to move these boxes. I'm fine where we're at. You know, and I, I just opt not to do that, not even go down that rabbit trail. Because so often there's these boxes in our house. And if you're like us, you have these boxes in your basement that have been there for years, and you completely forgot what they are. You just pack them, you just pack them, they store away. And all they do is they take up space, and they collect dust, and they just become a burden. And you don't even know why they're there anymore, or why you still keep them. You know, so often in our life, I think we have become a people, and it's natural that happens that through experiences and and times of our life, we experience hurt. Hurt becomes burdens. And then all we tend to do, like packing up boxes, we pack them up in the inner selves of who we are in our hearts. We try to stuff them away. And I think so often we try to stuff them away because we hope that Maybe, just maybe, it'll go away. Maybe we'll forget about them. Maybe we can just move on from them. But the reality is, all that stuff just gets packed up into our hearts, and it doesn't go away. It just takes up more and more and more space within our own heart. And the crazy thing is this, that Jesus even told us, whatever is in your heart eventually comes out. You can't control it. You can't do anything about it. You can't hide it away. What's inside of you eventually comes out. And all this emotional baggage, all this hurt, all these burdens that's within you, and maybe you don't even realize they're in you anymore, but then you begin to see them coming out of you. All it does is make you tired, worn out, trying to figure out how to get through the next day, why you have to deal with this. And it just beats you down. But Jesus, the creator of everything that is, the Bible teaches us that Jesus was, is God, that he was there from the very beginning of time and that he will be there at the end of the time. He is the beginning and the end. Yes, that Jesus said this in Matthew 11. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What powerful words. And he continues on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and and I am humble. 
in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said these words. Jesus, you see, my friends, gives us wisdom on the greater yes. He gives us wisdom on how to achieve the greater yes based upon our daily decisions. You see, every day of our life, we make decisions. And so often we make decisions and we don't even realize how those decisions are going to affect our life, the consequences they bring into our life. Make no mistake about it. Every decision you make in your life has a consequence attached to it. Whether it's good or bad, every decision you make has an effect on your life. It affects you, it affects those around you, and it's going to affect future relationships as well. You cannot escape it. And so often we make bad choices, we go down our own path, we don't realize the consequences that it brings into our life or into our relationships until it's way far down the road. And it just pushes us further and further and further when we follow our own heart, our own path, our own desires. It just pushes us further away from God's heart and God's greater yes for us into consequences we never hoped for and consequences we never truly fathom would be in our life. But Jesus showed us in the words that he just spoke that we read, he showed us the greater yes. He showed us how to achieve the greater yes in our life, how he will guide us. You know, from what Jesus said in Matthew 11, there are three aspects to our decision-making process that I think are so valuable for us, so valuable in, our, in, in how we live our lives and how we interact ourselves with other people and what we do every day. The first thing that God, that Jesus revealed is our approach. Our approach matters. You know, what is going on inside you affects you. But in those moments, when you're dealing with the feelings in your heart, what do you approach? We all run towards something. Some of us runs towards ourselves. We think, well, if I can just figure this out for myself, if I can just go my own direction, if I can just work this out in my own head, then I can move forward. And we just approach ourselves. Some of us approach Jesus. Or what do you approach in your life? Make no mistake about it, my friends. What you approach is what you experience. It's just the reality. What you approach is what you experience. Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28, come to me. Approach me, he said, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Jesus never said, go figure it out for yourself. He never said, run with what feels good. Enjoy life. He never said any of that stuff. He never said, you know those I am statements? Those I am statements we talked about last week. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, go to our YouTube channel. You can see last week's message. But he never said all those I am statements that you fill your head with, who you think you are. You know, don't run towards that. Jesus says, come to me. Ultimately, we experience what we approach. It really is like going to the movies. You know, let's be honest. Every time we go to the movies, we may go see a funny show. 
a comedy type of movie. And we walk out there and we're just kind of laughing. We just can't stop laughing because that movie was just so hilarious. Have you been, ever been there? Or you walked into a scary movie and you walk out there and it's dark and all you want to do is get to your car as fast as you can because the boogeyman's around the corner. I remember in the end, late 90s, there was this movie called, came out called The Sixth Sense. And I went and saw it with a friend. And I'll be honest, I was going through some stuff at that time as well. And I left that movie messed up. I was messed up. And I could not sleep that night. I couldn't. I approached that movie, and that movie became what I experienced all night long. And we do that in life too. Your experiences are based on what you approach. If you approach yourself, if you approach your feelings, if you approach what you think is right, if you approach those I am statements that you've kind of let dominate your minds, that's what you'll become. That's what you'll experience. But Jesus said, if you come to me, if you approach me, he will be what you experience. His life, his goodness, it's all based upon what we approach. Jesus said, come to me, stay with me, stay in my word, my ways, my wonder. Approach me, and then when you do, then you will know. Then you'll get it. Then you'll understand. You know, how we approach the inner turmoil of our heart and what we run to with that affects us. Whether we run towards Jesus, whether we try to stuff it within our own life, whether we run to the world, all that does is create more confusion. But God says he is not the God of confusion. The world's confused is a place of confusion, but God is not. He is life. He is goodness. Approach him. The second thing that I think Jesus revealed to us in those words is our attitude. Another thing to help us in our day-to-day decision-making is our attitudes. And so often, our internal burdens develop internal chaos. And I bet it's safe to assume that there's many of you sitting here right now, many of you guys watching online right now, if you're honest with yourselves, you say, man, I try my hardest to make it appear everything's great on the outside, but inside my world is chaos. My heart is in chaos. I don't even know how to control it anymore. And then because we don't know how to deal with it, because we don't know the answers to it, because we run towards ourselves rather than approaching God, what then begins to happen is whatever's inside of us comes out. And when there's chaos in our heart, it comes out in emotional shutdowns or bursts of anger or addictive behaviors or seeking attention or so many other different ways. You see, our attitude reveals our heart and it affects our life. Your attitude shows what's really going on, going on inside of you. Jesus said what's inside comes out. And our attitude that you can choose, you have control over your attitude. But oftentimes our attitude is affected by the chaos and the condition of our own heart and the conditions that's all around us. That affects our attitude. And Jesus said in verse 29 of, the, of Matthew 11 that we read, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You see, that yoke in those times were these things that they put on animals. 
farm animals to help guide them to do what the master said, to help guide them to do the job that they were supposed to do. And Jesus said, take my yoke. Literally what he's saying is accept my way, accept my teaching, accept my path. And then he said, take my yoke. Why? Because I am gentle. I am humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. What he's saying is all that chaos that's in your heart, you will find peace. You will find that chaos diminish if you just come to me, if you just follow him. And through all that, when we approach him, when we adjust our attitude, Jesus reveals that we can trust in God's assurance. That God's assurance, knowing that what he says is true, that he will always come through for us, that he will always be here, that gives us the ability to move forward. Jesus said this in Matthew eleven thirty: for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen to that again. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So often in our life, because of the turmoil we face, the chaos in our own heart, we begin to view God in a different way. You see, we think all this bad stuff that's happening within us, all these effects, all this that we feel he made us to be, we feel, God, you're just evil. You're awful. You're a dictator. You're just sitting up there in the clouds telling me what to do. You're taking all the fun out of life. You kind of created me to deal with this. You put this into my life. And then you say, I can't do this. Or I can't do that. And you're just a constant burden. And you're weighing me down. And your way is heavy. Your way is a drag. Your way is difficult. And we get so sucked into thinking that the world is fun. That the world has all the answers. That the world is so good. And that if we just go my way, I can really enjoy life. And that this life is just amazing. So live it up. But then we walk down that path. And we experience life the way we try to walk. And we learn that the yoke of this world is hard. Yeah, I'll give it to you. It may not come on right away. You might live your own way and enjoy it for a little time. But I promise you this, it's going to catch up with you. Sooner or later, it's going to catch up to you and there's destruction on the other side. I promise you that. Satan is trying to twist our thoughts, thinking it's not that bad, but the yoke is heavy. The world's burden is hard and heavy. You know, I used to be a very prideful and arrogant punk. I was. You know, I was a knucklehead. I wanted to live life my way, enjoy life. I mean, I, for the most part, made good choices. I wasn't necessarily a bad person. You know, I thought if I just kind of go through life, I'm not a bad person. What's the big deal? And I'll be honest. I didn't have a lot of bad things happen in my life when I was younger. I thought, hey, life is good. Just enjoy it. But guess what? Over time, the years went by, and I found it just getting harder and harder, and the consequences popping up over and over again. You see, my friends, not everything in life is beneficial not every opportunity that you face is an opportunity that God has given to you is a greater yes. At some point, we need to follow God's path. The journey of life is realizing that God, the creator of everything that is, has a purpose for your life. 
And I need to pursue Jesus because he is relentlessly pursuing us. And when I do that, when I approach him, I will experience the life that he has to give to me. Even if there's brokenness around me, chaos around me, he will give me rest. Over the past few weeks, we've been taking a journey, hop, taking a hopscotch journey through Genesis. <clears throat> we talked about Adam and Eve. We talked about Esau and then his twin brother, Jacob. And today we want to look at another guy by the name of Joseph, Jacob's youngest son. And I'll be honest with you, Joseph was a spoiled brat. He really was. And we see he was a spoiled based upon the early parts of the story. We're going to be going through this lightning fast. I encourage you, if you're not familiar with the story, to read Genesis 37 through 45. Some amazing stuff here. But to give you a highlight version of what happened in Joseph's life. You know, his dad loved him so much and treated him so, so good and so much better than his other brothers. His brothers would be out working in the field and Joseph, hang out in the house. Just enjoy life. In fact, I'm going to give you a really fancy robe to wear. And Joseph, I think, lived it up a little bit. And his brothers began to get jealous. They weren't too happy with Joseph. They were not happy with the, the treatment that he got. And they became uh, jealous and angry. And their, and their anger burned against Joseph. And then Joseph started having these dreams. And this one dream had him becoming a leader of all the nations. And everybody bowing down to him. And guess what? Joseph immediately ran out and told his brothers, Guess what, guys? I'm going to be the leader of all the land. And everybody's going to bow down to me. And they just got more angry at him. One day they were out in the fields working and Jacob, the father, said, go out and check up on your brothers. Joseph went out and they saw him coming and they developed a plan. Let's get rid of him. They, they, when he got there, they threw him into a cistern and then slave traders came walking by. They sold him to the slave traders and then Joseph was then taken to Egypt where he was sold to Potiphar, an, the, uh, an official of Pharaoh. And I can only imagine in those dark days, Joseph sitting in the back of that caravan, knowing what was to come. I can only imagine being a man, being broken, being confused, maybe getting a little angry with God. Why did you put me in this position? Why am I here? Why am I going through? Why are you doing this to me, God? I can only imagine. And I think it's safe to assume that many of us feel that same way. I think so often in our own journey, we face different circumstances. We get beaten down by life. We face heartache and hurt or, or temptations or something that we just don't understand why this came on to me. And then we begin to get angry at God. We get disappointed. Why, God, did you do this in my life? Why are you allowing this to happen? But you know, in Joseph's story, what we see over and over again is that despite the circumstances that he faced, he was a man that evidently continued to approach God rather than himself. He was a man who had an attitude in check based upon his, his desire for God. He was a man who constantly trusted and rested in God's assurance that no matter what goes on, I've got you that he's going to take care of you. You see, continually through his journey, God's blessings were revealed as Joseph's attitude and approach were to honor God. We see that over and over again throughout his journey. It's weaved all throughout of, that, throughout of it. In fact, in Genesis 39, verses 2, two through 4, it's written, 
the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of, of, the, of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his, to his care everything he owned. Do you see that? The evidence is there that Joseph said, God, I don't get this. I don't like this. But I'm going to approach you. I'm going to live for you. Even the, these awful conditions. And because of that, people saw something different in him. They began to trust him. And he began to elevate in their status. See, even in the most circ difficult circumstances, Joseph revealed that his attitude was consistently on God and followed him, even when things didn't go his way. And he became a, a very close companion to, um, to, to Potiphar. Potiphar began to trust him in all that he did. He became a right-hand man to Potiphar. Potiphar said, you, I will trust you with everything that I have. And then it happened. One day, Potiphar was out, and Joseph was doing the work around the house. And Potiphar's wife was, we'll just say, taking a liking to Joseph. And she was trying to entice Joseph. And let's just be honest. When temptation hits you, it's so easy just to kind of stall, to sit in it, and then to allow it to control you. And to pull you in. None of us are immune to that. Not one of us. And that's what began to happen. Joseph was began to be tempted by Potiphar's wife. She was trying hard. But even in the hardest of temptation, Joseph revealed, I am going to approach God. In fact, the Bible says he ran. He ran. You see, my friends, in the face of temptation, what you approach in that moment matters. We either approach our temptation and approach the enticement that is in our heart and our mind, and we get sucked into it, or we approach God. What you run to matters. Joseph, let's not lie about this. Joseph is a man, and I'm sure he was tempted. But in that moment, he ran towards God and she grabbed his cloak and he ran out with nothing on and then she began to make accusations sometimes even when we make bad or, or good choices people around us don't make good choices you have no control over what other people do you control what you do you make the right choice and God will always bless you. He always will. Potiphar's wife, because she was embarrassed, because she was upset that he didn't give in to her, she made these accusations, uh, serious accusations about Joseph, what she says he did to her. Potiphar came home. He was burning with anger. He threw Joseph into jail. Joseph went from a man who Potiphar trusted with everything to a man who was forgotten in a rotten, dirty jail cell. And he was there for years, he was stuck there. And then it happened. Joseph remained faithful. 
we see the evidence that through it all, even in the hardest of conditions, Joseph approached God. His attitude was God, and he trusted in God's assurance. And there was the cupbearer and baker of Pharaoh in jail. They were having dreams. They couldn't figure it out. Just said, I can tell you your dreams. So one of you guys, you're both going to get out. One of you are going to die. One of you is going to live. One was excited. One was like, Joseph, I hate you. And it just happened. They both were released. And when they were being released, Joseph said, guys, hold on, guys. Do me a favor. Don't forget about me. And the Bible specifically says as soon as they got out, they forgot about Joseph. Thanks a lot, guys. And Joseph was there for two more years. Since like a weekend went by. It's not like I was just on a short vacation. Two more years. You got to think, there are some dark days, some difficult days. But through it all, there's constant evidence that Joseph approached God, trusted in God's assurance, and ran towards him. In fact, in Genesis 39, beginning in verse 21, it says this, the Lord was with him. I love those words because there's a truth spoken there. Even in your most difficult circumstances, when you approach God, God is true. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In that moment, those words that Jesus said many years after that, saying true here in this moment in this dark prison cell, God was with Joseph. And it continues on to say that God showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all those All that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Even in the most despicable place, God blessed Joseph. And he became a man in charge of the prison cell. Even the most difficult circumstances, God will bless you. If you just come to me, Jesus says, approach me. Don't approach yourself. Don't approach your own thoughts of who you think you are. Approach me. Trust me. Trust in my assurances that I will provide for you. And then it happened. Pharaoh began to have dreams. Pharaoh, the king of all of Egypt, began to have dreams. And he couldn't figure out, find anybody to figure out the dreams that he was having. And then the cupbearer comes to him and says, Oh, yeah, hey, I kind of forgot. You know, two years ago, when you got me out of prison, there was this guy named Joseph. I completely forgot. He told me not to forget about him. And I was so excited that I got out of here. And I kind of forgot about him. But now I kind of remember him. This is Bill Balbock's version, by the way. <laughs> and he says, he can tell you your dreams. Because he told, he, what he told me about my dreams came true. Pharaoh says, get him over here. They brought him here. Joseph began to foretell, tell, um, describe to Pharaoh what his dreams meant. There will be seven years of plenty. Store up all you can. Because then after the seven years of plenty, there's going to be seven years of hard famine. And you need someone in charge of all that. Pharaoh says, wow, that's amazing. Joseph, you seem like a pretty cool guy. I'll put you in charge. And all of a sudden, in that moment, God showed up. Joseph went from a slave to a man forgotten in a despicable jail cell to Pharaoh's right-hand man. 
How does that happen? God, there are so many times in life that I just can't explain it. All I can say is, God, I can't, I, I have no other explanation. I'm sure Joseph in that moment was just saying, I can't explain this. It's God. The more you approach yourself, the more you get your own rewards. The more you approach God, he reveals the truth of his scriptures. Come to me. I will give you rest. I will take care of you. I will be by your side. Genesis 41, 41, it says that Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. He was in charge of everything. And then it happened. The famine hit after the seven years of plenty. His bros back in the other land were getting a little hungry. Dad, we need to go to Egypt. They stored up. We need something. Let us go. Sure, boys, go ahead. Now I'm going to go fast forward through this. You got to read it. They went back to Egypt. They went to Egypt and they approached Joseph. They had no idea that that was Joseph, their brother, but he instantly recognized them. And so then Joseph said, aha, I'm going to get them. They came to him and he said, you guys, what do you want? We're looking for food. Uh-uh, I don't believe you. You're spies. What are you trying to spy on? No, we're not spies. Yes, you are. You're spies. I see it in your eyes. If you're not spies, then I'm going to take, one, I'm going to take some of you guys, put you in prison. The rest of you guys go back home and get some stuff and bring it back and sh- prove to me that you're not spies. Fast forward, they did that. They, they brought their younger brother back who Joseph asked for them to bring back. He brought them back and just said, okay, so I guess you're really not spies. So I guess I'll give you food. He gave them food, but then he snuck a silver cup into Benjamin, the youngest brother's bag. You could see Joseph thinking, hey, that guy replaced me. And you guys are treating him all good. Let's see how much you love him. He put the silver cup in there, sent them off. And as soon as they went off, He told his guards, hey, they took my silver cup. Go get them. The guards went out and got them, brought them back. They found the silver cup in Benjamin's sack, the youngest brothers. And he's like, that's it. He's in prison. All the other brothers were thinking, oh, no, dad's going to kill us. We can't let two of the younger brothers go. And then fast forward, they went back and forth. Joseph, through all this time, revealed the emotional baggage that was in his heart. If you read the story as, as his brothers came, over and over again, Joseph ran away. Why? Because he had to cry. He was breaking down. In this moment, you saw all the boxes that were in the storage tanks of his heart begin to come out and rip open. All that stuff that I think he probably forgot about. All that stuff he thought, what? I didn't even realize that was in there. All that stuff, all those boxes were beginning to come out. All the emotion was boiling over. And then it happened. As, the, as dad came back and his brothers were all there, they were sitting around a dinner table. And then Genesis 45, verses 1 through 3. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all of his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And the Bible says he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. And Pharaoh's household heard about it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. It's me. 
Is dad still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. His brothers in that moment were thinking, oh no, we're dead. But at that moment, reconciliation began to happen. See, all of Joseph's journey was leading to this moment of reconciliation. Ultimately, Joseph's journey was all about grace. He went on a decade journey to learn about the reality of grace. What God was doing within his own heart and then that what God was gonna do through his life. God worked out reconciliation in Joseph and worked out reconciliation in his family. It was a journey. But Joseph learned through all the junk of life, if I just approach God, if I have the attitude in my heart for him, if I trust on his assurances, trust in his promises, he will always see me through. He will always see me through. God is a good God. You see, Joseph learned the reality of grace. Grace reveals God's assurance. Grace is what God is all about. Because in life, we have two ways to view God. We can either view God through what we do, what we feel we can earn, what we think we are, or we can view him through his grace. Ultimately, you have a choice how you view him. Joseph, through all of his journey, through all of his hardships, through all of his ups and downs, he had a choice to make as well, how he viewed God. Life is all about trying to figure out how I view the creator of everything that is. That's the journey we are on. Joseph could have looked at God and said, you know what? You're just some big dude in the sky that's just making life difficult, always making it hard for me, taking away all the fun in life, taking away all I wanted. I mean, all I wanted was a family, hang out, enjoy life. You sold me into slavery. This was my life. How awful you are. Or he could have seen God as grace, as love, that despite the circumstances he faced, that God was always there. That God gives us life. How do you view God? The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, Paul's saying here, you have two ways to view God. What you earn or his grace. Within the nature of God, there is a tremendous tension within his nature. Did you realize that? This tension is between his holiness and his love. You know, holiness is God's goodness, right from wrong. And because of his holiness, he cannot be in the arena of sin. And so when we bring sin into our life, we separate ourselves from God. Why? Because he's holy. He cannot be in our presence of sin. 
but within his own nature, there's a tension because he loves you so desperately. He loves us so desperately. Love is his grace, his concern, his affection for us, his self-giving passion for us. And the tension within him is that holiness demands, but love gives. And this war, what's he going to do? And so we separate ourselves from him, but he said, I can't let that go. He sent his son Jesus into the world to die, which was grace in action. Because when sin enters, holiness separates, but God's love binds us together. But we have a choice. We can either choose, choose to view God through our own self, what we want to do, or we can view him through his love and his grace. But it's your choice. See, Paul wrote, the wages of sin is death. What you earn is death, is destruction. When you approach yourself, it brings destruction into your life. That's what Paul says, and for all eternity. But when you approach Jesus and his love and his grace and his guidance, you have the gift of life. But you know what the struggle is? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. I think too often we get so siloed in our thinking. We get so focused on this world is what I have. This is all I know. This is the one thing I have for certain is this life. So live it up. That we miss out on the reality of eternity. You know, this life that God gave to us that we have right now represents this piece of tape. And eternity is all the rest of this. And so often, we live in such a way that we're saying, this is so important. This is everything I got. This is what I'm living for. And we lose sight that this is so small that we, live, that we give up all of this just for this. And so often throughout our life, we make choices based on this life. Well, I want to have this over here in this life, so I'm going to make a choice here so I can have the best life possible right here. And we make all of our choices for this little spot. And we miss out on the reality that eternity is forever. And what God says is, I give you life and life more abundantly, but not just life for this world, but life for all eternity. Don't give up all that I have for you just for this. I have so much more for you. So much more. Yet we focus so much on that one little piece of dot that we have right now that we lose sight on this. And the devil lies. He thinks, eternity, I, I, don't, you know, I can't really f- understand what eternity is, so I'm just going to go with what I know. I'm going to go with that piece of tape. But can I ask you a question? If you're in that boat where it's like, I can't really define eternity, I don't really get it, so I'm just going to live it up here because I, don't really, I can't really explain this or this isn't really, I can't fathom this. Let's just say, that God is who he said he is. And you say, I'm just going to go my own way. I'm going to live it up here. And you get to this point, 
and you realize, oh, snap. God is who he said he is. My friends, in that moment, you lost all this. Is that worth it? God has so much for you. How are you viewing him? What are you approaching? Are you approaching yourself or are you approaching him? Your experiences are based on what you approach. And so often you're not experiencing him because you're not approaching him. It's like saying, hey, that movie was really funny, but I really didn't go into the movie theater and watch it. I stayed out and put the popcorn. God has something special for you. It's time to choose him. Some of you here need to make a decision. Jesus says, if you follow me, just come to me. The Bible teaches us to repent. That means turning away from going my own path, approaching who I am or what I want, and approaching God and following him. And the Bible says one of the beautiful pictures and responses to God's grace is to be baptized. Paul writes about this in Romans 6, that when we die to ourselves, when we're buried in the water, we're identifying ourselves with Jesus in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And he gives us life. Some of you need to take that step. And we actually have our baptistry ready right now. You can come after service, and we would love to help you take that step to experience God for who he is. Approach him. See the life that he has for you. Some of you may have given your life to Jesus before, but let's be honest, you really haven't been living it. you kind of like, God, I was in, but now I'm kind of going my own way. And maybe now is the time that you need to recommit. Now is the time that you need to say, God, I'm serious because I, I, I gave my life, but I'm so focused on this piece of tape. I want to start thinking about my eternity and all that you have to offer. Where are you at now? My friends, how you view God, what you approach matters. And if you're ready to approach the throne of God, whether for the first time or I've done it before, but I need to get serious now, I ask that you go back to the Engage Impact booth and talk to somebody and we will help you take the next steps right now to experience the fullness of who God is and what he wants to do in your life. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come to you and we thank you because you are good. In this moment, Father, I know there's some people right now who are in, in this place or online who need to approach you. Lord, all of our experiences and consequences have been based upon us going after our own self. But Lord God, right now, may we just run towards you. Lord, I pray right now for those that need to make a decision to follow you. In this moment, Father God, may they make that step. Like Joseph, despite the, the circumstances, may we run towards you and trust in your assurances and see what you have for us. Lord God, there's so much at stake with this one decision. God is towards your heart. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.